The Big Fight Weekend Podcast here on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network of Shows is brought to you in part by MyBookie.ag. MyBookie.ag is doing everything they can to help DGENs only cash big, including a 50% deposit match on your first deposit. That's MyBookie.ag, promo code SGP, to get a 50% deposit match. We're also brought to you in part by Thrive Fantasy. Thrive Fantasy is a new daily fantasy sports app built specifically for player props. Download the app in the App Store and use the promo code SGP for instant deposit matches up to 50 bucks. That's thrivefantasy.com, promo code SGP. Sign up and prop up today. And we're also brought to you by Ace Per Head. Ace is the leader in pay-per-head providers, and they make it super easy to start your own sports book. Plus, Ace is offering up to six weeks free over at aceperhead.com slash SGP. That's aceperhead.com slash SGP. Football fans. It's time to go on the record for this week's matches in pro and college football with just one catch. We're only interested in underdogs. Who can keep it close if not pull the outright upset? Time to find out. It's Three Dog Thursday. Now here's your host, TJ Reed. And welcome in again, everybody, to the latest version of our little digital underdog radio program known as Three Dog Thursday. Wherever you are joining us, thank you for doing so. As we trudge on through the month of November here, lots of college football and NFL to talk about, and I fully understand as we begin that COVID-19 is becoming much more predominant with positive tests and games being paused, but we are here to navigate. We are here to remain optimistic, remain upbeat about the games that are being played uh, as we go along here on this latest edition of the program. By the way, however you found us, make sure that you subscribe, whether it was a social media link, sportsgamblingpodcast.com and their network of shows on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, or however you found us, subscribe. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, subscribe, rate us, review us. It'll help others find us as well. Spread the word. Again, uh, got a good look at all of the October numbers, and the growth is up and up and up here with Sports Gambling Podcast, their network of shows, and with Three Dog Thursday in specific. Keep it up. And this podcast will always come to you on Thursday. We'll even, I'll even let you in on a little secret because we've always done this in and around Thanksgiving. We'll release it next Wednesday night prior to Turkey Day because a lot of people are out of pocket with Thanksgiving. I know there there is a lot of concern right now about people traveling and about uh, the Thanksgiving holiday and the possible spread of the coronavirus, etc., I'm just pledging to you, I'm here to pass the time. If you're going to be making the drive anyway or doing the traveling, you'll have Three Dog Thursday earlier next week. And especially if you subscribe, it comes automatically to you before you get to find a social media link or find it off of sportsgamblingpodcast.com, et cetera, et cetera. So subscribe on one of those platforms. It comes automatically to you. We encourage you to do that here with Three Dog Thursday. All right, so let me tell you uh, what we have on the program. Our senior handicapper, Brian Edwards, is coming up. In just a few moments, uh, lots of college football insight from him. Initially, we're going to talk a lot about Indiana and Ohio State, uh, as well as a couple of other important games in the Southeastern Conference. 
uh, and a couple of underdogs that I like. One involves an uh, an unbeaten team that I believe is going to be tripped up for the first time this season. So lots of college football conversation. There are, at the time that we're taping, numerous games that have had to be uh, postponed. Some of them are going to be outright canceled and not made up, uh, especially on Wednesday, the Mountain West Conference with a couple of postponements. The Texas-Kansas Big 12 game is the first Big 12 conference game of the year that is being set aside. Already, Ole Miss and Texas A&M in the uh, the SEC moved out of the way. So this is just a reality right now, and I don't know that this will be the case, but we may see one of the Power 5 conferences uh, next weekend say, hey, let's just hold off uh, for a week here and make sure that everybody can finish the final week or the final two weeks of the season that everybody is fully uh, healthy. That may happen. It may have to be a choice here. Obviously, the Big Ten can't do that. Pac-12 is going to be out of out of ammo as well for any hope of being in the college football playoff because they started way too late. We've talked about it time and again here on this podcast. So we traipse on through for these next few weeks. It's obviously a large game for Ohio State. You may know of other college games being paused or canceled after this podcast has been put to bed and has debuted on Thursday morning as Thursday turns to Friday, Friday turns to Saturday. But for right now, that is the situation. And in the NFL, I have now uh, become aware in the in the aftermath. Again, I give you a peek inside the show. I have already finished up talking with Brian Edwards, both on college and the NFL. You'll hear his NFL comments at the end of the podcast. And he's very interested in that Raiders-Chiefs game. And at the time that we're putting the podcast out, the Chiefs and the Raiders are still slated to play, even though Las Vegas has numerous defensive players that are on the COVID-19 list, either for a positive test or in contact with a player that's positive. So they're not even really able to practice as a defense over the next couple of days before the Sunday night game. And the, the line has been taken off of the boards uh, in the sports books. So at the time that you hear Brian and I talking at the end of the podcast, it was a seven-point spread that he really likes for the Raiders. Uh, it may be if they put this back on the board with the COVID situations, that the Raiders may be getting 10 points, something like that, 9 or 10 points, depending on who can't play on defense, because you know Mahomes wants to light them up. It's a rematch game. It's a revenge game when they lost at home to him. So we're going to talk more about the NFL. Just know that when he and I are talking, you're not going to hear us mentioning the COVID situation that has now come to light after Brian and I taped about the Raiders and their defense. Interesting, too, that the NFL has done uh, and a very admirable job of identifying with contact tracing, isolation, constant testing, who's positive, who can still play, can you guys still hold a game, and they have not had to have games outright uh, postponed really over the last month, so they figured that part out. They're about to go into some much stringent, much more stringent testing uh, coming up for the National Football League. So lots of NFL conversation later on in the program, including our YouTube roundtable. We'll not only talk some college football with Chris Phillips, who is in uh, Columbia, South Carolina, with the Spurs Up podcast for the South Carolina Gamecocks, the Spurs Up show, a very popular show for South Carolina Gamecock fans. It is intensive and exclusive to that conversation about that SEC team, but he's prominent to bring on right now because Will Muschamp deleted, fired on Sunday night by South Carolina. And, and I will, you will hear this with Brian. I, I am really thinking this might be a situation where they're an underdog against Missouri at home, uh, and, and they may break out in this game and play better. Then again, they may not. I'm going to talk with Chris Phillips about that. Also on the YouTube roundtable, Victor Howell will be here from Cox Sports TV in the Louisiana, uh, Texas region. 
um, Southeast Texas and Louisiana, et cetera, wherever they have Scott, uh, Cox Sports Television, uh, covering LSU, covering the New Orleans Saints. Uh, he's going to have more on the Drew Brees injury. What are the Saints doing at quarterback for the game with the Falcons? Will it be Jameis Winston the entire time? As we're here midweek, will Taysom Hill, who they like is the Swiss Army knife that can play quarterback, can play receiver, can run the ball, play special teams, does kick returns, does kickoff and punt coverage. Is Taysom Hill going to split time with Jameis Winston? Victor Howell will give us some insight as he does Saints pre- and post-game coverage on CSTV on the regional cable. So those guys are on the YouTube roundtable. And a reminder again, go subscribe to the YouTube channel for Three Dog Thursday. Search Three Dog Thursday. Subscribe. You'll get the YouTube video. You'll see what I look like, the guests look like. We kick it around on the roundtable. Lots of college football and NFL can be found there right now because there is no NBA. I know the NBA draft was being held on Wednesday night. You may know some of those results. Uh, I know that Anthony Edwards, uh, no, not the actor, uh, the player for the University of Georgia, went first to the Minnesota Timberwolves. So the NBA, though, not playing games till at least December. We don't know when the NHL is playing. So right now, traditionally in November, we'd have pro basketball, pro hockey, college basketball about to start. Right now, we don't have any of that. It's just college football and the NFL. So we're very anxious and excited to watch that basically stand alone and unfold here over the uh, the coming next few weeks without pro basketball, without the National Hockey League until both of those uh, begin. So anyway, uh, Chris and Victor with me in the middle segment for the YouTube roundtable. And then Brian rejoins me with his underdog picks. And Brian on a roll right now in the NFL. Really, we did well on Three Dog Thursday last week. Jason Powers gave you the Nebraska Cornhuskers, who got out to the big lead on Penn State at home and then beat them in Lincoln. Uh, outright as an underdog. I gave you the Miami Hurricanes against Virginia Tech, and even though they were challenged with injuries and and uh, COVID-positive situations and had to withhold some players, give credit where it's due to Miami to gut out a comeback win with De'Eric King uh, and company at Virginia Tech, keeping their hopes for the college football playoff alive at the moment, only the one loss to Clemson. And Miami now having to pause and not play this week against Georgia Tech because of the COVID-19 issues and the contact tracing. But we gave you both Nebraska and the Miami Hurricanes. Brian and I both loved the Giants last week, the New York Giants, who won outright over the Eagles. Brian, uh, phenomenal, unbeaten 6-0 and in the NFL last week on underdogs, favorites, under overtotals. He is rolling right now with his NFL predictions. So you want to stick around for the end of the show with which teams he has as underdogs. And I already tipped off he likes the Raiders, but he likes a couple of other games too that he is looking at as well. So plenty of underdog conversation to get to. We are ready to do that straight ahead. Uh, college football, the NFL, heavy, heavy as, as part of this uh, edition of the program. Let's get to it as the program rolls on. Well, it is getting good right now, and who better to help decipher all of this in the abyss right now of COVID cancellations, which games are being played, some hugely important games still to be played or made up to help me sort it out and go over this. The guru, the guy that breaks it down, senior handicapper, majorwager.com, and also Vegas Insider. He's back. He is Brian Edwards. Uh, back here with us as part of Three Dog Thursday, ready for some underdogs and more. How are we feeling the week before Turkey Day? We are feeling outstanding, and um, don't be surprised if Nick Saban, he's got that juggernaut of an offense just 
steamrolling like a freight train toward Atlanta. Don't be surprised if he's hiring, uh, hiring or calling to see if he will listen or be interested in a defensive analyst position, that be, being William Muschamp, uh, to help him out for those Gators <laughs> to Atlanta to <laughs> Well, Muschamp uh, certainly uh, has the free time and has a boatload of South Carolina's money now. And we're going to speak much more on that, not just in this segment, but obviously coming up in our video roundtable on the South Carolina situation. Just a quick comment from you. Are you surprised not just that they deleted him, uh, because obviously it had been going bad, but they did it now in, in a COVID-crazy year with still a couple of games remaining and that they didn't wait? What do you what do you say on that? I think it's smart. I think that Hugh Freeze is the hot name. I think that Tennessee uh, is more than likely unless Jeremy Pruitt and the Vols get hot and pull an upset or two in the next three to four weeks. I think Tennessee is a competitor potentially for Hugh Freeze. Now they've got the early start on that. And look, I love my guy Muschamp, but when you give up 159 points in your last three games after a promising win over Auburn, you're there for defense. And uh, I get it. Yeah, it's kind of unraveled. So much more on that situation uh, coming up. As I said before you came on, it is your job, it is your duty to stop me from ever taking Harbaugh and Michigan again on this podcast. If I ever go to do that again, you are the gatekeeper. You understand that? You're like the warden uh, at the prison. I, I don't know what other metaphor that I can use to prevent me because that was horrific last Saturday night. All those advantages that I had talked myself into, them being angry, them being back home, the trends with the home team winning in the series, they had played the last couple of weeks, Wisconsin had not played, none of it mattered. And so when we're talking about exit visas with with Muschamp, it appears to be the same thing with with Harbaugh. Now, like a foregone conclusion that he's going to be done at Michigan as this thing has evolved. Without question, he's gone, and it, it won't be ugly. He'll, he'll he'll agree. They'll mutually figure it out, and and, and he's gone. Period. That's what's going to happen. No the doubt, the no real doubt. question, the real question is what you've asked: is 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 it an NFL opportunity that he goes elsewhere for? Are they going to have to part with him on their own and pay him a boatload that they still owe him? I, I don't know, but the, I mean. Let me put it to you this way. I have a I have a colleague and, and friend of mine who, uh, let's just say, is a prominent former Michigan player. And I, I was in contact with him last Saturday night and said, bro, what is this performance at home? I know there are no fans to energize you, et cetera, in the big house, but what is this? His answer, and he was dead serious, don't know, I turned it off at 21 nothing. watching Hallmark Christmas movie with the wife right now. I mean, does that sum it, does that sum it up? What's going on? This guy played for the maize and blue, and that's how apathetic or bad it has gotten, yes. Brian. That's, that's what I was going to say. That's, that is apathy. Oh. That is the definition of a fan base <laughs> No longer gives a hoot. Oh, and uh, and we'll see. I know they play Rutgers this week, but man, oh man, how long does it last there uh, for Harbaugh? Who, who they gonna get, man? I don't well, think they can get Luke Fickle, man. Well, they, they've got to they've got to figure out 
Uh, do they have to have from the Bo Schimbecker lineage? Because that's what they were screaming for when Rich Rodriguez didn't work out, and they went and got uh, Brady Hoke, who had kind of gotten you know some connection to Bo Schimbeckler. Harbaugh, obvious connection uh, to the Schimbeckler tree and the whole thing. But now it hasn't worked with Hoke or uh, with Harbaugh. So do you stick with that mindset of it's got to be a Michigan man, or do you go completely again against the grain and go just hire best available coach that wants the job and plug him in? That's that's tough for uh, for Go Blue there right about now. They, they can't seem to figure it out. All right, more on the Big Ten in a moment or two. Uh, I ha- I know this already because you told me you're not even going to wait for Saturday for Three Dog Thursday purposes. You are ready to go, and you're ready to go in the American Conference before we even get to the weekend. What is up, Brian Edwards? Yeah, let's go with Tulane on Thursday night uh, at Tulsa, plus six and a half. If that's your number, by the half point to the key number of seven. Tulane has won three straight games, and they've won them each by margins of 17 or more. They have covered in five straight games. Uh, in those three straight wins, um, which I said were by 17 or more, they beat the closing lines by 64 and a half combined points. And one, you know, I said they're five and zero against the spread. They 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 could have easily been four and one straight up. They let a lead get away in an overtime loss by three to SMU. And Tulane has won three straight head to head against Tulsa, both straight up and against the spread they've won uh, against the Golden Hurricanes, 62-28, to 24-17, and 38-26 to 26 in their last three meetings. And I, I love me some Willie Fritz. I always have back in the Georgia Southern days. His true freshman quarterback, Michael Pratt, playing really good football. True freshman, 14-4 to 4, TDI and T ratio and five rushing touchdowns. Uh, I think Tulane could be a live dog tomorrow uh, night. It'll be a close game. Won't be surprised if the Green Wave win, and I like Tulane as a dog. How about that? Tulsa already with the upset of UCF earlier in the year, and then they came roaring back to beat SMU uh, while trailing in that game. And, of course, a lot of the fans may remember Tulane had the, what, 21 nothing lead on Navy earlier in the year. Back in September, twenty-four nothing, and then and then Navy still came roaring back in New Orleans and and won the game. So a uh, an interesting AAC matchup that will be in Tulsa on ESPN national national standalone uh, college game. Let's see what happens on that. And the American Conference being hit right now by uh, by COVID nineteen and by cancellations because the SMU Houston game is off at the time that we're taping. So too is USF in my market in Tampa, University of South Florida. Uh, can't host Navy this week, so they have been racked, and they're trying to rearrange their schedule for the end of the year. Uh, we'll talk more AAC here in a few minutes on the podcast. So right away, you've gone to one uh, underdog. Uh, I don't think either one of us are going to pull the trigger on Indiana, but let's go chronologically for Saturday, and the big noon kickoff game on Fox out of the Big Ten is 4-0 and Indiana. As we joked last week on the podcast, Brian Edwards, we got to go back to parachute pants, to Madonna, to gas being 80 cents a gallon. 1987 is the last time Indiana was 4-0 and in the Big Ten with Anthony Thompson running the football. Did you ever own parachute pants, by the way? Quick pop quiz. You ever have those? You ever own those? Never? Never put them on? Never had them? 
Not claiming them if I did. <laughs> there is there is apparently maybe a photograph that might be in his background uh, there for Brian Edwards. But anyway, <laughs> they're four and zero against Ohio State. This one in Columbus, massively important game for both. It's a credibility game for Ohio State now too, with Indiana at four and zero. Just give me a thought or two. You don't you don't have to take the plunge on the underdog, but give me a thought or two. Well, I lean in Indiana. My my only. Uh, my only hesitancy right now is they've got four key players that are listed as questionable. But if all four are upgraded to probable by Friday afternoon, I, I'm not saying it'll be one of my bigger plays, but I probably will take Indiana, especially if it gets to 21 or if it's at 20 and a half still and I can buy the half point to 21. One of the guys, and they have a deep and talented group of wide receivers and an excellent tight end and Peyton Hendershot as well. But Ty Freifrogel, uh, the senior wide receiver with 24 receptions, which is time for a team high and, and a, a team best 424 receiving yards and four uh, touchdowns was also his team best. He's questionable. So is starting linebacker Cam Jones. Uh, so is uh, 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 safety Raheem Lane and, and offensive tackle Caleb Jones. So those are four key players that are questionable. Hey, maybe they all four play. Maybe none of them play. I don't know. I want to find out though before I commit to a play. But I lean Indiana, especially if it's at twenty-one. Yeah, and and again for the Hoosiers, we talked a lot, Brian, last week in the middle segment of the show. Uh, with Bob Herrig of ESPN and ESPN.com, the golf writer. He's an Indiana guy. Uh, Jason Powers of the Powers on Sports Podcast, Indiana grad school guy. They were talking up Indiana. And Michael Penix, the quarterback, is a Tampa Bay high school product, Tampa Bay Tech High School uh, here. Big left-handed quarterback. They, they've got a tough task. This is, this is like taking on Alabama at Alabama or Clemson at Clemson. I know there are no fans there. Uh, in Columbus for this matchup, but let's see what Indiana will have. And as uh, Brian is saying, keep an eye on the injuries as we progress to the weekend and to Saturday for that uh, early kick. You have one more early game, not necessarily for an underdog, but you're interested in Florida and Alabama off the beatdown of Arkansas. You had Arkansas. They just could not stop them uh, last Saturday night in the swamp to be an underdog for three dog Thursday. Uh, Kyle Trash just video game numbers right now already with 28 touchdown passes in six games that's incredible uh and what do you have here for them at nashville early 11 a.m central time start in nashville for florida what about it so you look i think that the most trusted units on either side of the ball in all of college football right now are florida and alabama's offenses and you do not have to eat the chalk and we would certainly never recommend that on three dog thursday but i have permission from the three dog czar tj reeves to discuss team totals when it comes to florida and alabama and especially when you're playing vanderbilt defense and even without kyle pitt his backup, Keon Zipperer, had two touchdown catches last week. Kyle Trask, like you said, video game numbers, 28-3 TDI and T-Ratio. Mm. So I like over 68 in Florida at Vandy. Uh, the over 5-1 overall for the Gators. Their combined scores are averaging 75.8 points per game. And Vanderbilt scored its most points 
uh, by 14 last week in a 38-35 loss at Kentucky. And despite giving up 35 to Vandy, Kentucky's defense is still ranked number 24 in the nation in scoring D, giving up only an average of 21.3 points per game. So I'm on over 68 for Florida Vandy, but I think if the Florida team total in the first half is 28 or fewer, I think that should be your largest play amount-wise for the entire week. And if the team total for the game, I would guess, is going to be in the 45-48 range. If it's 45 or fewer, you should be on the over for Florida there as well. Now, I've got some respect for Kentucky's defense, so I don't know that you go to Alabama with those same plays. This week, I'm not saying I won't. I just haven't seen the numbers yet, so I don't want to say definitively on a radio show as we record on Wednesday. But in general, be looking for Alabama and Florida's team totals, and sometimes you can get one in the first quarter as well, and be looking to play those overs because those two units are the the units in America you can trust the most on either side of the football, Florida and Alabama's offense. Well, and I, I would agree, having seen the Tide in person twice now, at Bryant-Denny, including what they did to Mississippi State back on Halloween, and that's the last time they played, that 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 offense is explosive. And if Kentucky thought Vanderbilt was tough to stop, just wait uh, in Tuscaloosa. It's another reason why that line is 30-plus points. It is is interesting this late in the year that we've got several 30-plus point lines in the SEC, including Florida, Vanderbilt, and Kentucky uh, getting 30 there at Alabama. But Brian says, watch the point totals for the Gators and for the Tide, I want to move to an underdog that I like here at the moment. Um, and that is going back to the American Athletic Conference, 3.30 Eastern Time game in the AAC, and it's in Orlando, and it's the UCF Knights playing host to Cincinnati. You have been all over the Bearcats, even in the offseason, even this summer, and deservedly so. Watch out for Luke Fickle's team. They're undefeated. They look like the best team in the American Conference, riding right now at 7-0, riding high, looking good with uh, with Ritter at quarterback, solid defensive play. But something says to me that Josh Heupel and UCF, the coach, will have his team ready. Dylan Gabriel at quarterback, Again, a guy that can light it up. Uh, They're at home. Cincinnati won a year ago at home by three in a wild game with UCF, coming back to win that game. That snapped the UCF three-game win streak against the Bearcats. I think this is UCF, who hasn't been an underdog uh, all year, by the way. UCF has not been an underdog yet. They get six points in this game. Uh, I know Cincinnati has covered. I think they've covered the last four games in a row. I'm taking UCF to win the game, Ryan. I think the I think the Knights will win this one, and so I will take the points with them. I didn't go to UCF. That's over in Orlando. It's about 70 miles from where I'm sitting right now. I have no allegiance to them. I just like the play here against the Bearcats. I think one of the final unbeaten's outside of the Power Conferences is going to taste defeat here. First home underdog situation of Josh Heupel's uh, tenure, and the first time UCF has been a home dog uh, since 2016. Wow. This is why we have the man here. You don't get it that often. And again, the Bearcats, uh, very good against the number over the course of the past few weeks. Um, I believe I mentioned four straight uh, that they have covered and uh, overall, in this in this series again, it has seemingly 
Yes, there was the upset a year ago. It is it is obviously favored the home team. The home team, uh, well, in particular, UCF, had won the previous three meetings and has won uh, two of the last three at home in this one. Uh, Cincinnati, again, covering a 28-point line with East Carolina last week. Previously covered an 11-point line with an easy win over Houston. Uh, and then annihilated by Memphis Tigers while laying six and a half in that game. So let's see what happens with the Bearcats and that matchup against UCF. Staying in the afternoon, this one you've been all over. You've been tweeting about it. You've been writing about it on MajorWager.com. Tell me more about Big 12 matchup, Kansas State, Iowa State, and why you like the Wildcats right now. Okay, so Kansas State uh, is 11-1 and straight up against Iowa State in the last 12 head-to-head meetings. And they haven't lost to Iowa State by more than 11 points since 2005. And I only point that out because that's what the spread is, Kansas State plus 11. And K-State has had two weeks to prepare, whereas Iowa State uh, had a one-possession game uh, last week. Uh, And then there's just great underdog stats on K-State. First off, uh, they've been a double-digit underdog three times this year already, and they're 3-0 and against the spread with a pair of outright wins and nearly had a third outright win uh, uh, against Oklahoma State as a 14-point home dog. They led 12 nothing at halftime, and even when Oklahoma State uh, went ahead 13-12, to K-State was down in the red zone but fumbled, and there was an 85-yard scooping score for Oklahoma State. K-State answered with a touchdown but uh, couldn't get the two-point conversion and lost 20-18 to but still covered. Um, Kansas State is 17-6 and against the spread with seven outright wins in its last 23 as a double-digit underdog going back to late in the 2009 campaign. And as road underdogs since 2007 – they're 35 and 13 against the spread. And one more, whether home, away, or neutral, since midway through the 2009 campaign, any underdog spot whatsoever, single digit, double digit, home, away, neutral, K State 51 and 22 against the spread in their last 73 as dogs. Mm. And again, a lot of that is Bill Snyder. We've talked about that before. And when last we saw them, like you mentioned, they're up 12 nothing on Oklahoma State but couldn't hold the lead uh, in the second half. Turnovers have plagued them. Uh, that's not something that you're used to seeing out of the Snyder coach teams. Uh, K-State would uh, frequently be one of the most uh, frequent, uh, infrequent uh, fumblers of the ball, turnovers, one of the most infrequently penalized teams as well. Always very well coached. But they've had some problems with that. We'll see uh, for that matchup in Ames in the afternoon. All right, we continue with Brian Edwards, MajorWager.com, Vegas Insider. Brian's also going to be with us in the final segment talking NFL as he does on the Three Dog Thursday podcast. I love his insight, though, with the college game. Uh, All right, so we're going to talk more on the roundtable about South Carolina, Missouri specifically. I, I am liking this for no reason that has anything to do with trends or what teams have done. I just think South Carolina might bust out here at home as an underdog against Missouri, who's been a who's been an underdog in every game they played this year so far, the Missouri Tigers. Now they're on the road, and I think you know the odds makers are looking at this as it should be a win because South Carolina's in disarray. I, I am I got to talk more with uh, with one of our guests coming up on the YouTube roundtable in the middle segment, but I'm leaning towards the Gamecocks here, and I know you're warning me as well because of the opt outs, the players that don't want to play now that Muschamp is gone, right? 
Yeah, so J.C. Horn and Israel Mukuamu and R.J. Roderick, who are all uh, – I mean, uh, Mukuamu was second-team All-SEC. He's the guy that had the three picks against Jake Fromm and won the Georgia game for him. So those guys are opting out. Um, but in terms of, of positives for your line of thinking, um, Missouri, Eli Drinkwitz said yesterday that they only have 56 scholarship players available right now. So if, if more than, if four of them were to test positive, you know, there's multiple tests to go later this week, they wouldn't even be able to play and they're going to be shorthanded anyway. And then also Kevin Harris, the sophomore running back who I've been talking about, continues to have a hell of a year. Granted, it was Ole Miss's defense, but he ran for 243 yards and five mm. touchdowns last week on just 25 carries. And his backup, Fenwick, had nine carries for 82 yards, and Shai Smith had 10 catches for 117 and one touchdown. Um, so uh, there's those would be some positives, Mizzou being shorthanded, and Kevin Harris has enjoyed a hell of a breakout sophomore campaign. Uh, for the game cops. And let's see if they play with some emotion and some of the us against the world mentality here. Uh, if they end up uh, doing that, we'll find out uh, more about the uh, the COVID situation, etc. cetera. Uh, one other game that I will look at. So, so I'm kind of hedging here, but I've got another game and this one is in the Pac-12 that I'm going to take a look at. That is Washington State. I saw a lot of their game with Oregon last week. My man Timmy B, Tim Brando, and Spencer Tillman were cover- were uh, calling it on Fox uh, last week for that matchup against Oregon. They they went toe-to-toe with Oregon and got outscored. Uh, Jaden Delora is the quarterback for Washington State. They go on the road to play Stanford with a 1-1 record. Stanford 0-2 off the loss to Colorado. Stanford's offense has struggled. I, and Nick Rolovich has got that kind of air raid mentality, four wide, five five wide. I, I think Wazoo can win this game. It is late night Eastern time, 7.30 in the West, 10.30 Eastern time for Washington State and Stanford. That's kind of my backup underdog. If I get talked out of South Carolina sufficiently, I'm going to go I'm gonna go maybe another college doggy, and that's Wazoo in the Pac-12 on Saturday night, and it will be interesting to see what happens with UCLA and Oregon. Uh, USC and Utah, I know you've got an eye on, but again, Utah's COVID situation is up in the air. They haven't played a game yet, uh, Brian, because of that. Utah is supposed to host USC, but it's, it's up in the air right now about that matchup. USC with the two dramatic wins over the two Arizona schools. So got to figure all this stuff out in the Pac-12 right now real quick, right? Yeah, I mean, well, look, look to fade USC. They they should be zero and two straight up. They are zero and two against the spread, and I would be all over Utah if I had any confidence that they had a full roster uh, to work with. But with their last two games getting canceled, maybe they do by now. I just don't know yet, and I got to be sure of that later in the week before I could endorse that. But I, uh, you know, if that ends up being the case, uh, yeah, Utah as a home dog to. Uh, USC sounds good if they're full force. And remember, their starting quarterback is going to be the the long forgotten, and we haven't seen him in a long time. Poor Jake Bentley. He wants to play some football this year. Jake Bentley, yeah, speaking of South Carolina, there you go, uh, coming out to Kyle Whittingham in Utah. And uh, again, I, I thought that I had this pegged with playing games versus not playing games, but we're in this situation again. Uh, then with, with last week with Michigan, where Michigan had been playing the previous two weeks and Wisconsin hadn't played in three weeks, it didn't matter. But in this case, USC has played two games the last couple of weeks. Utah hasn't played at all. Will that make a difference? 
Uh, late night again, that's a primetime game in Salt Lake City, 8.30 local time in Salt Lake, 10.30 Eastern time for USC and Utah. We'll have an eye on that. And again, you got to keep it tuned to Brian Edwards with MajorWager.com and on the Twitter handle at VegasBEdwards because he'll be updating his plays and his picks uh, in the coming days after we've taped uh, here before Saturday afternoon and Saturday night as well. My friend, hang in there. We've got some NFL selections coming up. Our roundtable, our video roundtable straight ahead in the middle segment of the podcast. That as we continue uh, here on Three Dog Thursday. But first, we're brought to you in part by MyBookie.ag. We've headed now into November with the NFL, with college football, everything that's going on right now in sports. And of course, whether you're a first-time customer or whether you've been playing with MyBookie for years, there's no shortage of value to be found in the thousands of game lines, unique prop bets, contests, everything they offer every week, including with the fights off the huge weekend last weekend. Find all the odds, sign up, load up, find an edge, make your bets, and get paid with MyBookie. And right now, if you sign up today and use the promo code SGP, you'll get a deposit match all the way up to $500 in your account if you're a first-time user. Again, if you're a first-time user, put $100 in, they'll put $100 in. The same with $200 on your initial deposit, they'll put $200 in all the way up to $500. It's winning season at MyBookie. Join in the fun. Get some cash. You bet, you win, you get paid. A $500 up to $500 deposit match awaits you as a first-time user with our promo code SGP. It's mybookie.ag, promo code SGP. We're also brought to you in part by Thrive Fantasy, the daily fantasy sports app for player props. Tremendous response from our audience here at Sports Gambling Podcast and the network of shows, including Three Dog Thursday, uh, the Sports Gambling Podcast, a college experience with Colby Dant, uh, on and on, including our Big Fight Weekend podcast that we have on the network fleet of shows. All of you keep responding, and rightfully so, with Thrive Fantasy because it's daily fantasy with player props. In the NFL, choose 10 of the 20 available players in the props and build up your lineup. And with Thrive, you eliminate all of of the other ancillary which way to go the extra research again it's 20 available players in the nfl pick 10 of them prop them up they're assigned a fantasy value for both the over and the under hit the prop and rack up the most important points uh, and those points will win you a share of the prize pool and some players for this week for Thrive Fantasy. A couple of names that jumped off of the page immediately at me. How about Dalvin Cook? We're going to talk more about the Vikings and the Cowboys in our NFL segment uh, with Brian Edwards later in the show. But Dalvin Cook combined under over for rushing and receiving yards is 120 and a half. He has been so good and was again on Monday Night Football uh, with running the football. The combined yards from scrimmage against a bad Cowboy defense. I know they're off the bye week. I like the over total on Thrive Fantasy there uh, for the under-over of the 120 uh, rush yards. So I'm going Dalvin Cook in that one. Um, uh, one in, in the early games, Deshaun Watson of the Houston Texans in their matchup with the New England Patriots. 300 combined pass and rush yards. New England's defense has been pretty good. I'd be inclined to go the under there because Houston has been so bad. Uh, for that game that uh, will be taking place in Houston at NRG Stadium. I'll go under the 300 combined pass and rush yards uh, for Deshaun Watson as a couple of the plays uh, here for this. And also, what else? 
Uh, Patrick Mahomes, again, if that game does get played against the Raiders, and we think that it will be, his passing yards at 306 and a half. I don't know how they came up with 306 and a half, not liking 306 or 307. But I'm inclined to go over there against the Raiders who are depleted on defense. I'm taking the, the over 306 pass yards. I would have anyway if, if the Raiders starters were even there. They've been bad against the pass, even with uh, full health. So there's just three of the examples of the under-overs that you can use uh, with Thrive Fantasy, and we suggest that you do so, as Thrive has given out over $50,000 in guaranteed prizes every week and has awarded now over $200,000 in cash prizes for the year. Use our promo code SGP, by the way, and you get an instant match up to $50 on your initial deposit. Go get the Thrive Fantasy app in the App Store, the Google Play Store. Go to the website thrivefantasy.com to find out more about the rules and the regulations. You sign up and prop up today. And don't forget our promo code SGP gets you $50 on a match, up to 50 bucks with your first deposit. It is Thrive Fantasy and the promo code SGP. And if you've ever thought of owning your own sports book but you didn't know how, Ace Per Head is here to help you start it up. They'll provide you with an all-inclusive professional betting site with all the lines updated up to the second and wagers graded immediately. They've got top-notch customer service going 24-7, some of the sharpest lines in the industry, and plus... Ace Per Head also has live betting and a great mobile experience. You can get started today. Ace is offering six weeks free, by the way. Go to aceperhead.com slash SGP. That's aceperhead.com slash SGP to find out more. The dogs are barking. Who will get it done this week? Three Dog Thursday now continues. Here again is T.J. Reeves. We do roll on on this edition of Three Dog Thursday. And as promised, we're going to get some more insight, not only on what's going on at South Carolina with the firing of Will Muschamp. What is the latest with the New Orleans Saints? My goodness, and Drew Brees being out. And what are they going to do at quarterback with the game with the Falcons this week? Joining me to help me. What a motley crew we are again here as we go to the Three Dog Thursday Roundtable on video. Reminder, if you're only hearing us, you can see us on the video roundtable on YouTube. Victor Howell is here from Cox Sports Television. They're in the Louisiana region, Baton Rouge, New Orleans, etc. Brother Howell, good to have you kicking it in here with the Three Dog Thursday video roundtable. I appreciate the invite. It's, uh, it's great to join you guys. I'm sorry that... When you come to me for my portion, it's all bad news between LSU football and Drew Brees with ribs and lungs. But, hey, we got we to gotta push through, right? Either way, games are being played. So it's good to join you guys. Yes, we do have games that are going on. And, no, I do not want to talk about these guys and the Saints from about 10 days ago because I still haven't recovered from that one, I don't <laughs> think. Yeah. But, yeah, big time. Uh, Chris Phillips is here from the Spurs Up show, Columbia, South Carolina. There is nobody, I'm convinced of this, on the planet that knows more about South Carolina and the inner workings of football and basketball and all South Carolina sports than this man, the host of the Spurs Up show. Brother Phillips, good to have you here on the program. TJ, always a pleasure, man. Appreciate you uh, reaching out to me. Yeah, really excited, like I was telling you off air, man, not only for football, but I'm excited for Gamecocks basketball. I think Frank Martin and the boys uh, have got a squad this year. I'm, ho I'm hoping one of the sports teams can figure it out because you're talking Bucks, Saints, LSU, South Carolina football. It's like <laughs> – can we talk about some winning teams? That would be kind of a nice change of pace. But no, seriously, man, appreciate you uh, Appreciate you reaching out. Excited to be here. 
Love it. And so that's the perfect segue. Here we go. All right. An in-season firing at South Carolina. We're seeing it on the screen. Will Muschamp out. Three losses in a row. Defense has given up a bazillion yards and about 793 points the last three weeks. And that's it for Muschamp. Deleted in this bizarre 2020 year, this bizarre 2020 college football season during the season. He is out after the loss to Ole Miss. So the first question is to you, Chris. How surprised are you, not that it happened, but it happened in the middle of the year, towards the end of the year here, with games still to play? Not as surprised as you would probably think. From what I was hearing from behind the scenes and everything, as things sort of started to unravel. You know, I, I was actually at this game, ironically enough, in Baton Rouge against LSU, and you felt like maybe that Auburn game would be the springboard for South Carolina using that as a platform to build some momentum in year five of the program. But you get embarrassed on the road in Baton Rouge, then get embarrassed yet again again against Texas A&M, have the game against Ole Miss, 159 points your defense had given up in three games. And, and I just think in year five of the Will Muschamp here, you know, I was out on Will Muschamp after year four, after the first game of year four against North Carolina, where I, I just saw the incompetence of having an entire offseason to get ready to play a North Carolina team with a first-year head coach, with a true freshman quarterback, and Will Muschamp yet again having his team fall flat on their face. And then you lose to App State later that season as well. So there were a lot of people who were already out at that point. And then you come in this year, like I said, yet again. You know, last year you had the big upset win over Georgia. You lost five of your last six. You did nothing with that win. It felt very similar this year with that trend. And again, in year five, you're getting blown out. And again, offensively, you expected the Will Muschamp era to have some questions and some things happen offensively where you were scratching your head. But year five defensively, again, a three-game stretch, you give up 159 points. And I wasn't that surprised, TJ, it happened because you heard the rumblings after Texas A&M that South Carolina's big-time boosters that give a lot of the money, that funnel this money to the, uh, to the facilities, they were not pleased. They were not very happy. And I had heard that if Will Muschamp, if this team – lost to Ole Miss and definitely did it in embarrassing fashion. I know we obviously talk a bunch of gambling on this show. Um, you know, I, I said all week, I think if Ole Miss covers the 13-and-a-half-point spread, there's no way he survives it, and sure enough, that's what happened. So I, I think, listen, it was something that was brewing for a long time, and it's something that I know for Gamecock fans is unfortunate and bittersweet, believe it or not, because people wanted to him, see him succeed here. They wanted to see the second chance to Will Muschamp work out, but in the end, South Carolina just had to make the move. And, again, I'm, I'm not surprised that it came in season where now they have, you know, some time to find that next head coach before that December 16th signing day. Get the new guy in there. Let him talk to the recruits they currently have committed, bring his guys in. So, no, not totally surprised. And I think it was a move that was needed for South Carolina. All right. So, uh, again, Victor, you are detached from that situation. Obviously, I am as well. But this, this was not going well. This was not a good look. I'm going to share the screen again here and let you comment uh, on, on what we're seeing uh, on the screen here. This was him animated, upset the other night at the officials. This was typical when he was at the University of Florida uh, as a head coach and, and flamed out and, and was removed. Um, not a good look here. Victor, does it surprise you, detached no. from the distance that South Carolina did it during the season? No, not at all. I, I think a lot of it is, is also building. You know, people are wondering why they make a move with a buyout like that when South Carolina is saying they're going to be losing $40 million. LSU has said they're going to lose 70 to $80 million. And trust me, there's an issue here in Baton Rouge. We've got a new defensive coordinator who's not necessarily new to Baton Rouge. He was here before in Bo Pelini, and Tiger fans are ready for him to leave because of what the LSU struggles have been. I think Chris is right on it. Obviously, I'm detached from what the feelings were with South Carolina. But when South Carolina came here, 
I'm not so surprised when Chris said about them getting blown out. I'm not surprised they got blown out in Baton Rouge. That happens to a lot of people. But you got to remember, when Carolina rolled into town, Miles Brennan wasn't playing. He's played three games and he's been done. So the one guy who's been waiting his turn doesn't play. All of a sudden, LSU debuts a freshman quarterback who lights it up against South Carolina. And that really, to me, was the beginning of that snowball. And when you see him acting like that at halftime, you know things are unraveling. He knows it's unraveling with those frustrations. But, you know, I mean, I totally, I totally understand what Chris is saying, and I do agree. I think it all started with LSU. South Carolina came in on momentum. LSU did not have momentum. There have been questions swirling about this defending national championship team that's just gone absolutely flat this season. And all of a sudden the Gamecocks roll in after a big win. You're like, oh, my goodness, now there's no starting quarterback for LSU. We've got a freshman, and they torched him. And, and, then, and since then, LSU hasn't done anything, and neither has South Carolina. They've made a coaching change. That is the voice of Victor Howell. Love his insight. He is with Cox Sports Television CSTV in Louisiana. Chris Phillips from the Spurs Up show is here. Great podcast, great insight on South Carolina, everything with the Gamecock programs, plural. If you're only hearing us, as I am going to say at least once more on this podcast, mm-hmm. you can find the video and see us on YouTube, the Three Dog Thursday a video page. Again, if you're only hearing the podcast, however you found it through a social media link, sportsgamblingpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, et cetera. Come find the video. See the moving pictures. See what we look like. Victor's the big TV star out of the oh, whole group here. TV star TV star with a face for radio and podcast. <laughs> That, I, think that's all, sure. I think we all three might qualify uh, there on that. Um, okay, so just one more on the SEC in general. Quick comment from both of you right now. We've got COVID situations, COVID-19 delays uh, all over the place, schedule having to be jumbled up, SEC championship game looming, but makeup games looming as well. Chris, scale, let's say, of 1 to 10. Are, are you a 7 that we're going to get all of this in and play the championship game? Are you an 8? How confident are you? And then, Victor, I'm coming to you. Chris, you first. No, yeah, I'd probably say about an eight. I, I feel pretty confident they're going to find a way to get in. You know, the SEC from the beginning has been very, very determined. And I, and I applaud Greg Sankey and that crew as far as their protocols, putting them in place. And listen, they've done the best they could. I mean, no, nobody knew how this thing was going to go. And everybody's just trying to navigate 2020. And, you know, some of the contact tracing stuff I know is very, very frustrating for somebody like Texas A&M where you feel like, well, it's only affecting a really, really small number, but contact tracing is keeping them from playing. But I think overall having an SEC championship, I think that's going to happen. I, I think they'll get as many games in as they can, as long as they can have that SEC title game. That's really what it's going to come down to. But it has been crazy, man. You, you look at – luckily, South Carolina's been a team that hasn't been affected, but that, that's in jeopardy this week. I mean, South Carolina, Missouri, and you know, Mizzou coming off. They didn't play last week due to COVID. I think uh, Eli Drinkwitz said they had 54 scholarship players ready to go. South Carolina's got, I think, 55 or 56 because of all of the – the opt-outs and the injuries, they haven't necessarily been hit by COVID, but 2020 is just a weird year. But again, with, with, with everything in consideration, I applaud the SEC, Greg, Greg Sankey, how they've done. I would probably say an eight. I still feel pretty confident as long as there are no, there are no more major outbreaks amongst the SEC institutions. What about you, Victor Howell? How confident are you that they can get to the finish line here in a few yeah, weeks? Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with them. I, you saw me nodding my head for those who were watching. I was nodding the whole time Chris was talking. I'm right there with them with an 8 to a 9. Look, there's a reason why the SEC got started so well because they waited, unlike the Pac-12 and the Big Ten who jumped ship and then all of a sudden decided to lay, waited for everybody else to say, oh, the water's warm, come on back. You know, I mean, the Pac-12 is, what, playing six games and right out the, right out the gates, two of their games get canceled and they're not going to be made up. The SEC did everything it could the right way 
to delay the start into late September and line things up. I think the SEC, the worst case scenario, perfect example, LSU scheduled to play Arkansas this week. When they take the field, assuming they do, it's been 21 days since LSU played because of a COVID game and then a bye. Now Arkansas has got a COVID situation. Hopefully it's contained, but if all of a sudden they blow up, now you've got an LSU team that's missing three games. Already they're going to make up two, and it looks like what they're going to do is they'll, they'll start switching games around. So one of the games LSU missed is Florida. Another one is Alabama. Neither one of those teams want to be the one that has to play LSU and the other one doesn't, then they're going to cry Correct. foul. So let's say those two teams go to the championship. They might move, say, LSU Ole Miss, as an example. We thought maybe they'd do Arkansas this week, but they're not going to. But as Greg Sankey said, after this week, everything's on the table. So you might see that Ole Miss-LSU game in early December get flipped, and LSU might play Alabama, then play Florida on its newly rescheduled December 12th backup game, then on the 19th, knowing that LSU's not going to the championship game and neither is Ole Miss, those two teams will play. So the SEC's got the pattern there to get in. I think the worst-case scenario would be a Missouri or an LSU, if it happens with Arkansas this week, missing three games. Then you literally run out of dates. But as of right now, I think they have the plan in place, and they will show the flexibility that the top two teams, should they be Alabama and Florida, they're going to go to the championship game. Everybody else will play for whatever they're trying to play for, bowl appearances, TV money, whatever. They'll figure out a way to get those games in. Great points that you're making, and and I put the hand up there for a second. I'm in the state of Florida. A lot of people think I live in the state of confusion. I live in the state of Florida, <laughs> uh, and they are going to scream uh, from here to Hialeah, as I like to say, if they have to play LSU and Alabama doesn't have to play Absolutely. LSU before the championship Absolutely. game. So let's see how that gets juggled and how that gets worked out. I want to move on to the NFL in just a second, but Phillips, I need a quick answer from you. I was already on board in the segment before the audio segment of the podcast that I like for no no explainable reason. I like South Carolina, even with the opt-outs, the injuries, to maybe win this game outright with Missouri at home. Care to talk me out of this? Talk, talk me off the ledge and tell me how crazy I am. Missouri hasn't been favored all year long. Uh, I, I, South Carolina could win this game to me. You want to talk me out of it? You know, it's funny. So Wednesdays on, on the show that I do, we, uh, we give our best bet for the South Carolina game. I actually took Missouri minus six and a half. And it's not really indicative of my prediction necessarily, but hear me out. The biggest question in this game for South Carolina, we can talk X's and O's on the field, but it is mindset. It's mentality. It's what type of culture is there in the locker room? Because We've seen some things. You can ask South Carolina fans as well. Since the firing of Will Muschamp, we all know his players love him. They'll go to bat for him, whatever. We had guys last week saying they take a bullet for him. Since that firing, you've seen things happen as far as guys saying things, the, the moans, the groans, the opt-outs about Will Muschamp and since he's been fired. I just wonder because I, I understand why you would take South Carolina to win straight up because normally in a situation where you have a head coach get fired, you see a group of guys rally together. They play for the university. They play for their interim head coach. They sort of circle the wagons, if you will. I just don't know, and I don't know that I trust that culture is in place in this locker room. And, that, and that's, that sounds crazy to say and really, really bad to say, but I think what South Carolina fans, unfortunately, are starting to see is the culture wasn't quite as perfect behind closed doors as we all thought it was. And if you want to talk on the field, you're talking about a Gamecocks defense yet again, like I said. Missouri hasn't thrown for under 200 yards in a game this season, and they haven't been an offensive juggernaut or a juggernaut in general this year, <laughs> but they haven't thrown for under 200 yards in a game this season. And South Carolina just lost its two best defensive backs and yep. a safety. So, I mean, I'm how like, in the world like is the South Carolina defense? Out of it. Yep. I, I mean, I'm just saying how in the world – and this is a question I'm trying to answer myself. You know, on, on one hand, I'm excited to see the young talent for South Carolina get an opportunity. 
But how are the Gamecocks going to get a stop? I mean, that, that truly is the question. Okay. So I think it's going to be a fourth quarter game, back and forth game. But listen, my prediction and my best bet might be different because as you know, you might pick a game one way, but when you look at a line, you say, if I've got to put money on it one way or the other, I'm going to lean that way. And right now, if I had to put my money on it, I just don't know that I can trust South Carolina to show up and, and come together and win that, that football I game. I began with the premise I have no explainable reason because everything points to South Carolina should get rolled again in this game, but mm-hmm. they may bow their back. They may find a way. Hey, All right, a hey, few more hey, moments. Let me, yeah, let me just tell you, Chris is talking about if South Carolina's defense is missing those key, uh, key guys, it'd be, it might be tough. He might say they're not an offensive juggernaut. Go back and look at that Missouri-LSU tape. They yeah, Missouri, good point. They made Missouri's quarterback look like a, a Heisman <laughs> Trophy candidate two good weeks point. after K.J. Costello threw for 6,000 yards against LSU in Baton Rouge. Yeah, so That's a very just, good point. They may not be a juggernaut, but they can be good. Ask yeah. LSU. Well, yeah. And it may be another long night for the Gamecocks. Sorry, Chris, for the Spurs Up podcast. All right, we need to move along real quick before we get out of here to the New Orleans Saints. Let's get to the NFL and the weekend, and we're showing the audience again on the screen the injury to Drew Brees, the starting quarterback, for the Saints, uh, last week, basically broken ribs, already had either a broken rib or injured ribs, took a sack in the first half of the game with the 49ers, played through it the rest of the second uh, quarter, and then uh, Jameis Winston. He- hello, uh, Twinkie Twilight Zone for TJ watching this game. Jameis Winston now taking snaps as the Saints quarterback. Uh, and, and so this has been the biggest topic. And, Victor, you're obviously in on the Saints coverage with Cox Sports Television, the pregame and the postgame coverage. Uh, okay, give me, give me the insight here um, yeah. on this. Say, thanks, what about thanks for taking the picture off the full screen. Saints fans who are watching us don't want to see that, that grimace anymore. Um, yeah, so, so the news came down on Monday. Uh, you know, the amazing thing is Drew was hurt probably, and we didn't know the extent. We did see him wearing a jacket uh, in warm-ups at the Dome. Uh, but he took a hard hit. It was called roughing the passer. And at the time, people were saying, look, that was just a hard tackle. It was clean. It wasn't a targeting with the helmet. He just got landed on by a large man. But it really kind of uh, added to what he was already dealing with. And the thing about Drew and his toughness, he played the rest of that first half and led the Saints on two touchdown scoring drives, including the two-minute drill when they scored and he fumbled the snap and threw it to Alvin Kamara. Went halftime, settled down. The body got stiff. He told Sean Payton he couldn't go. Monday – he gets the check, and it's four or five broken ribs and a collapsed lung. Um, mm. This week, even within the last, what, couple of hours, to show the competitiveness, he's taking all those results and wanting to go get additional opinions to make sure they're accurate so he can try to figure out when can he get back and play. The additional reviews of the medical confirmed several broken wins, uh, ribs and a collapsed lung. You're hearing everything from four to six weeks. Look, Drew Brees would challenge the three of us to a peanut butter sandwich eating contest, and he'd throw a C note on the table and say, I'm going to beat all of you. I mean, he's as competitive as anybody you've ever met. Last, last year with the thumb, he was throwing weeks before they said he would be throwing the ball. The difference was last year that injury happened before the bye week, and he bought himself an extra week. The Saints are past the bye week now. They got the Falcons coming up, then they go to Denver, then the Falcons again. There's a huge matchup with Kansas City, the only team with a winning record left on the schedule, December 20th. I don't know if he'll be back for that one or not. Um, but yeah, it, it's a tough blow. He's one of the toughest guys around. And as I talked about with Scott Shanley, who is a Super Bowl winning linebacker with the Saints and does does my show with Saints Game Day and Saints Tonight. Look, Drew's 41, going on 42, and I asked him. Who's going to be the voice of reason to slow him down? Is it going to be Gail Benson, the owner? Is it going to be Mickey Loomis, the GM? Sean Payton, the head coach? His answer was Brittany. That's Drew's wife. And say, look, we've got three kids. You're over 40. You know, father time catches up with everybody. You really need to pace yourself. 
But be that as it may, uh, fact of the matter is games go on. And the Saints have the Falcons for the first of two and three weeks against the NFC South rival. And uh, welcome Jameis Winston to the black and gold party because he took the snaps in the second half when Drew went down. He did lead him to one touchdown. I will say that that game was not offensively aesthetic for either team, the Niners or the right. Saints. Uh, it's not like Jameis came in and, and, um, and lit it up, uh, but it looks like he's going to be the guy. In fact, Sean Payton this morning was asked on a, on a teleconference about some comments he made several months ago about Taysom Hill having earned the right to be the backup. Um, but it looks like Jameis is going to get the start, and he will be the backup. We might see more of Taysom Hill than maybe we would if Drew Brees was under center, if he wants to mix things, uh, mix things up a little bit. Um, so you might see a little more of him, you know, kind of interacting in the role. But right now, the keys to the black and gold franchise has been turned over to Jameis Winston. On a one-year deal. And again, this is total Twinkie Twilight Zone. I'm going to talk more in the final segment when we bring Brian Edwards, our senior handicapper, back about this. But I did Raheem Morris's radio show pregame, postgame as the Buccaneers coach for years. Did pregame and postgame interviews for five years with Jameis Winston. And so now we have a Falcons-Saints game with Raheem Morris coaching Atlanta and Jameis Winston quarterbacking the Saints. Right. I officially check out now on 2020 on trying to figure any of this uh, out. Hey, Chris, give me a quick comment from you. Do you believe that it will be Winston? We're speculating. Mostly, do you believe he might go 1-1-A and play a lot of Taysom Hill, Sean Payton, at least for this game, while they figure it out? Again, you're detached. Give me an educated guess real quick. I would play both guys. I like Taysom Hill personally. I love what he brings, how, how dynamic he is. We're talking about uh, old Jameis Winston. Old Crab Legs Winston. Winston. I haven't heard his name, I feel like, in a while because obviously I'm a, a little detached in the NFL game. I did see, though, Javon Kinlaw got a sack, former Gamecock in that game for the Niners. But uh, I, I would play both guys. I'm sure they'll roll out there with Winston first. And he does some nice things. But, again, his stats kind of speak for themselves. What was he last year? A 30-30 guy. I mean, it's right. it, the inconsistencies are, are there. So I, I just say this. If I'm Sean Payton, I have a quick trigger. You know what I mean? You know you have a guy behind him that's capable that can play. So you want to roll out there with Winston Fine as your starter, but there's somebody else on the bench that can get the job done. That's kind of the way I'd look at it. Right. And One Vic, thing you got to remember, Victor, what though, do you think? Yeah, well, Jameis hasn't had a lot of time with the ones. He's been playing solely the backup role because Drew Brees is there. So while I agree with Chris about maybe a quick trigger finger, the other side of it is for Sean Payton, he is now going to have a whole week for Jameis to work with the ones. And Sean can also dummy down the offense. Don't put it on Jameis to make all sorts of wild decisions, force things into play like he did in Tampa, and get back on that pace of being in the 30-30 club. He can slow it down. When he was at Tampa, he didn't have a guy like Alvin Kamara behind him. I, I know he had um, – uh, Michael down there with you, but he's also got Michael Thomas here. He's got another Michael at wide receiver. Sean Payton might tell him, look, don't force anything. We've got a defense that hasn't allowed a 100-yard rusher in 52 games. We've got an offensive line that can protect you. Don't make the dumb play. Make the smart decision. Throw it out of bounds if you have to, and we'll reset. Because you, you both of you all know Sean Payton's offensive creativity is, is out of this world, and he might just go down there and try to dummy it down enough to keep Jameis in a tighter window before he pulls a quick trigger. That also does lead to Taysom Hill, though, because Taysom's been with this offense longer. So if he needs to, he can put Taysom in who knows the offense better, whether it's the Wildcat or actually throwing out of the backfield. All right, we'll see how all of that works. Again, Winston has never in his, in his Florida State final season or the last five years been able to stay away from the interceptions. We shall see because it appears we're going to get a sample here of at least a couple of games or more. What had Teddy Bridgewater was very good in place of Breeze a year ago, not trying to do too much. Let's see what happens with Jameis Winston now that this situation exists. All right, one more time, I'm going to promote my guys. 
uh, here on the program. The Spurs Up program with Chris Phillips can be found right here, thespursupshow.com. He's on five days a week, correct, Chris? Monday, Monday through, through Friday. Friday. Yes, sir. Everything South Carolina on the Spurs Up Show. Check him out, spursupshow.com, wherever you get podcasts, Spurs Up at uh, the Spurs Up Show on social media. We're seeing that on the screen on the YouTube roundtable. Victor Howell, my man. Look at Victor Howell here on Twitter, at Howell on CST for Cox Sports Television and their coverage. There is Victor jamming up on stage as well. A little yeah. musical talent. Love it's that. The band, we're the band Louisiana. The band's so big, they named a state after us. That's there you right. go. All right, the Louisiana band. I love it. And look at this Motley crew on Cox Sports Television before and after game. Scott Shanley, as Victor mentioned, and my buddy Mike Neighbors from Tampa. What a motley crew that is uh, that is doing the games uh, pregame and postgame for Saints game day prior to the Falcons game on Cox Sports Television, their regional coverage, et cetera. Find them online. You see that if you're with us again on the YouTube roundtable. I think I got all the plugs in. Boys, you did a fantastic job. Chris, thank you for everything South Carolina. Victor, thank you for the insight on everything Louisiana and the New Orleans Saints. I appreciate both of you coming on board here on Three Dog Thursday. Easy. It's a pleasure, man. Appreciate it. A lot of fun. Thanks, DJ. Thank you, guys. We will continue on Three Dog Thursday as Brian Edwards rejoins me to talk some more NFL right now. Indeed, he is back in once more. Love the insight from MajorWager.com and Vegas Insider of Brian Edwards, our senior handicapper, who, by the way, only went 6-0 and last week overall in the NFL, including on this very podcast giving you the New York Giants. We both love the Giants. Uh, last week I, I kind of uh, slid off of a couple of your underdogs that you liked but I, I loved uh, the in, in hand in hand with you I love the Giants just like you did they get the outright win over the Eagles in the revenge game last week uh, easy cover for three dog Thursday purposes part of a six and oh week in the NFL people got to pay attention to this we're not talking about only underdogs now we're talking about Brian making picks for favorites and under over totals, etc. Bravo, my friend, with the way that you've been in this crazy 2020 year with the crazy lines and the spreads and the covers or no covers. You've done well in the NFL as we bring you back in. Well done. Thank you, sir. Yeah, one of my best NFL years in a, a really long time. And I, uh, I didn't really pay attention to it until I was like late, you know, because only two of my games were one o'clock, but it was Sunday night and I'm like, wow, I'm 6-0, and and I'm, like, looking at the, like, standings. I was, like, in seventh place, and I, I started go, go looking at the picks of the guys in front of me, and they all had bad days. And uh, then when I hit the Vikings on Monday night, which I didn't love, but I, after going 6-0, and you got to throw a pick up there. And uh, I'm now number one out of uh, 36 guys on wow. Vegas Insider. Um so, uh, bravo, bravo. Thank we got to keep it. Well, you know what that means now. You got pressure to deliver with another underdog here on what you might like. So I'll let you begin uh, on the bevy of games. That includes the Thursday night rematch of Arizona and Seattle. What an amazing finish last week. Obviously, Brian, that the NFL is still buzzing about fans. Uh, have been buzzing about for the last few days where Josh Allen looked like he had thrown the winning touchdown pass to Stefan Diggs in the final 30 seconds, but there is never 
a, a situation where you say game is over if there's time on the clock and you've got a chance at a Hail Mary throw, and there it was again. And something that does not get emphasized enough in this is not just Kyler Murray getting away from the rush and the mobility, but for him to turn his body and fire a perfect ball, not thrown out of bounds, not thrown out of the back of the end zone, that was an amazing a quick, subtle thing that he was able on the run to adjust and and throw a catchable ball up there for Hopkins to go do the rest among three other guys. What an amazing moment for Arizona to turn that into victory. Hopkins, that's the only thing he did all day was catch the Hail Mary pass, save the best for last on the final play of the game. Yeah, and he said, Stephon Diggs, that's that's an answer right there. No, you're not the best receiver in the NFL this year. (laughs) It was I. Well, that was his line, right? It was the post-game comment on Zoom. He goes, it was I. <laughs> on making yeah, the play. I love it. I love it, was, it was him, and what a win. And Arizona won a wild game with Seattle at home back three weeks ago uh, in overtime. And so now we have that matchup coming in Seattle. And I had the Seahawks last week who fizzled out with Russell Wilson throwing more interceptions against the Rams. So Seattle's now lost back-to-back games. That is the Thursday night game in the NFL. We're both leaving Arizona alone. So where do you want to go if we talk an NFL Sunday? Brian Edwards to begin here for Three Dog Thursday. Uh, We're going to go to the Big Easy where the Falcons roll into town off an open date. They did the same thing last year, but they were sporting a 1-7 in seven record. And your boy Raheem mm. uh, had just gotten uh, promoted to D coordinator uh, as the Falcons' defense was a, a disaster last year. And they go in. I don't remember what the Saints' record was, but it was really good. And Atlanta won 26-9. They might have. Uh, hey, I can interject. They might have been undefeated. They, they, what did you say the uh, what did you say the Falcon record was at the time? Like one in five, one in seven, one in seven. I one think the Saints, the Saints might have been seven and zero oh or eight and zero, oh, something like that, Not with maybe. Breeze and company. Because remember, Bridgewell, you know what? They had lost to the Rams uh, when uh, when Breeze got hurt, but Bridgewater had won the five games in a row, and then Breeze right. came back in this game a year ago. And you're right. I have great affection for Raheem Morris, the former Buccaneers head coach. He's been there now in Atlanta for a few years. Defensive coordinator last year. They've elevated him to head coach. This is dangerous. Dangerous for the Saints without Breeze. And it looks like they will go to Jameis Winston, although Sean Payton. What do you think about him using both Taysom Hill and and Jameis Winston and kind of splitting time? Do you think that might happen while we speculate? I well, being how I want the Falcons to win, I wanted to be one hundred percent Jabu. Jameis, obviously, the only member of NFL history of the thirty thirty club, and the only NFL quarterback to ever throw seven pick sixes. The last being in the last play of the game of overtime with Deion Jones, the last snap he ever took against the Falcons. And look, the Falcons have won three of their last four, and the only loss was the Detroit uh, walk-off last play touchdown. And so, I mean, in my mind, the Falcons should be 4-0, but straight up and against the spread in their last four. And if they don't give up uh, a 16-point lead against the Bears and a 20-point lead against the Cowboys uh, and don't give up the walk-off touchdown to Detroit, we are talking about a team that is six and three and very much in the hunt for everything. 
But look, they're motivated. I think Raheem has maybe a legit chance to get this job, but he's got to finish really strong, and it'd be a really strong statement to Arthur Blank to win outright at New Orleans. And I'll mention one other thing. Atlanta is by far the healthiest team in the NFL. Dante Fowler is out this week. They only have one season-ending injury to uh, Kazi, the DB. He's been out for a month or so. And uh, Calvin Ridley is questionable. He was limited at practice today. But he's had he, he had the week off, and then the, he missed the last game. So he's had three weeks to get that ankle right. My guess is he probably plays, maybe not at 100%. But that's it for injuries for Atlanta. And I feel like every other team's got like 15 to 25 injuries. And so whatever that's worth. Yeah, and the the health of your team is going to be important moving forward, including with COVID situations, COVID-19. We will uh, we will see. And again, the Saints going with Jameis Winston. I'm obviously uh, compromised because I was around Jameis a bunch. I love him personally. It obviously didn't work here with all of the interceptions. And it is wild if he gets the start that the last game he played with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to end the 2019 season and end his Buccaneer career ended with him throwing critical interceptions, including the first play of the overtime, a pick six. And now he has to go against the same Atlanta defense with Raheem Morris at the controls, a former Buccaneer head coach. This is Buccaneer Twinkie Twilight Zone in this game. Dear Brian Edwards in this matchup. It's it's crazy. It is. And uh, the Falcons still got the Bucks to play twice as well, December 20th and January 3rd. So uh, four games left for the Falcons against the Saints and the Bucks. Raheem Morris definitely has a chance to win this job. I would I would agree with you if they keep winning uh, on that one. All right, a couple of other NFL games that are going to be of note. You've backed the Steelers all year. You're looking great on the win total. They will attempt to be nine and zero. Uh, for this matchup here with the Jacksonville Jaguars, with the start that they have had so far uh, this season, you've got to give them a lot of credit here. Uh, at this point, they already are 9-0, and excuse me, for the first time ever in franchise history. Even those Steelers' great teams of the late 70s never got to 9-0. and Jacksonville played Green Bay tough, uh, but I don't know that they have a whole lot here for Pittsburgh. Um, and we'll see at home with the rookie quarterback, Jake Ludeman. So we'll, uh, we'll find out what they can do well, or I, not. I'll, I'll say this, TJ. I'm pretty sure I've bet Pittsburgh every game this year. If I haven't, it's only like one or, or two tops that I haven't bet them. I'm not betting Pittsburgh this week. Interesting. So take that for what it's worth. And they were, not, and again, Jacksonville. Jacksonville is hung in with a couple of other teams too, besides Green Bay, and they get the ten yeah. points at home. So we will. I just uh, wouldn't lay all those points with Pittsburgh. I could see them having a lackluster, barely win type win like they had against Dallas a few weeks back. All right, and uh, a game, you know, a couple of games here that we're trying to hone in on. Green Bay at Indianapolis. Uh, the Colts have had the week, uh, well, basically 10 days to prepare after their great Thursday night win. Green Bay uh, off the win over Jacksonville playing in Indianapolis. A lot of the country will see that game uh, coming. And in looking over uh, some of the underdogs uh, here, I mean, it's it's interesting What's there on the NFL slate? I kind of I kind of like the Atlanta pick there against New Orleans. Another game that I've got uh, eyes on the Dallas Cowboys off the bye week, getting Andy Dalton back at quarterback. Do they get energized here at Minnesota? Minnesota a shorter week. They won a key game at Chicago. 
kind of keeping their fringe wildcard playoff hopes alive. Dalvin Cook has been fantastic. Minnesota at home. But am I wrong to look at Dallas for Three Dog Thursday here, getting the 7.5 off the bye week to get some things corrected here and maybe play tough if not beat Minnesota? Well, they played very tough against Pittsburgh. They've had two weeks. Not not only do you have two weeks to prepare, but Minnesota has a short week. Um, And everybody in the NFC uh, uh, (laughs) is still alive. So, I mean, they they have – you know, it, it's, I know their record's garbage, but they're right in the thick of a playoff. But race. yes, they're seriously, you have to up. you have to be looking at this as if you can get to six wins, you probably win the division, and so this is a chance to help get you towards six. Because right now, where you've got Philadelphia and New York with three each, uh, and the Giants only have the one remaining game with the Cowboys at home in the division, where are the Giants going to get a couple of other wins? outside of the division uh here in this situation so that's you know it's one of the things that you've got to wonder uh for this and uh and so if you're dallas you're not you're not out of it yet we've had some seasons like that uh we'll find out so i'm looking at the cowboys uh for three dog thursday purposes uh in this one along with your atlanta pick you had one more that you're looking at as well and this is the sunday night game in las vegas Chiefs, Raiders, AFC West showdown, Chiefs off the bye week. Uh, tell me a little more real real quick here, Brian. Yeah, so, I, you know, I have not fully committed to this, but, you know, the Vegas obviously beat them in at Arrowhead, and, and Vegas is playing uh, good football right now. They've won uh, three games in a row, and um, plus seven, it looks a little attractive. I mean, I, I, I kind of fear KC's explosiveness, but I'm leaning Raiders. Um, uh, I mentioned it to you off the air. I, I'm not fully in on it yet, but I lean Raiders. And the Chiefs, obviously with Mahomes, he's been like a video game. Uh, the last, Speaking of that again, the last two or three games with 350, 400 yards, three touchdowns, four touchdowns, and Vegas is vulnerable to the pass. Denver could not take advantage of it at all last week in an easy Vegas win, but everybody else, even the Chargers in a loss threw on him, my, my Tom Brady-led Buccaneers threw on uh, Gruden's team, and even in the loss in Kansas City, Mahomes through on the Raiders. So that's that's got to be a concern with their pass defense and their secondary for Sunday night football in Vegas for that matchup. And my Buccaneers, by the way, favored again at home. Huge matchup with the uh, L.A. Rams. That one uh, coming on Monday night football again with the Rams off the win over the Seahawks. An NFC playoff picture matchup here. Dare we start saying this? Buccaneers looking to be 8-3. and three. Brian Edwards for the first time since John Gruden was the coach in 2008. They were... Eight and three that year went on to be nine and three, but then blew the last four games, and he ends up getting fired uh, at the end of 08. That's the last the time Raiders the, Buc- the, the Raiders beat him. The Raiders beating him in the final game, ironically, yes. Uh, he ends up getting deleted. That's the last time the Bucks have been eight and three, much less nine and three. You got to get to eight and three first. That's what they'll try to do against the Rams uh, with Brady. And I tried to tell the audience last week. I don't know how many people were going to be all over Carolina at home, but I tried to say to the audience last week, "Wrong place, wrong time for the Panthers." And it absolutely was. And the Bucks lit them up, especially in the second half. 
of the game. This will be a tougher task uh, with the Rams in this matchup. All right, there we go. There's some NFL uh, underdogs and prognostications. We again make mention that Brian was six for six on the picks on the weekend and even got the Monday night pick correct with the Vikings, making him seven for seven with the NFL picks, not just underdogs in that instance. If they want more of your information, if they want to find out more, not just underdogs, everything you're doing, plug away on where they find you and how they find you, Brian. My Twitter handle is at Vegas B Edwards. You can find my SEC notebook uh, for every uh, weekend preview of all the SEC games Friday afternoons at VegasInsider.com. You can also find uh, plenty of my content at MajorWager.com, and you can follow uh, the the Major Wager Twitter account at Major Wager Uno Uno. Thanks, and, uh, TJ. Have a great weekend. Appreciate always you. love it. Always love it from Brian Edwards. Thank you, my friend, uh, as well. Great stuff from you. Uh, love the insight and the tidbits that you get there throughout the rest of the week, no matter when you're hearing us on Three Dog Thursday. That is for sure. And there we go. That'll do it for this edition of the program. Once again, my thanks to our roundtable guest on the YouTube show. Uh, Chris Phillips with the Spurs Up show, that podcast and show specific and exclusive to South Carolina sports. And man, they've been hot and heavy with the Will Muschamp firing. Check him out uh, again at the Spurs Up show on social media, thespursupshow.com uh, to find out more there. Victor Howell, also Cox Sports Television in Louisiana, as they like to say, covering LSU, covering the New Orleans Saints. What's going to happen with the Saints and the Falcons? Again, Brian Edwards and I very much like the Falcons in that game. Uh, the Saints, how long is Drew Brees going to be out with the injured ribs, the collapse long? How quickly can he get back two weeks, three weeks? Will it be longer? Again, they did well without him. What's going to happen with Jameis Winston uh, splitting time with Taysom, Taysom Hill? Jameis going to throw the interceptions. We'll find out. Anyway, go find the YouTube page for Three Dog Thursday, and you'll see Chris and Victor and I kicking that around on YouTube. For now, we are done. Reminder, subscribe to the audio podcast. However you found it, social media links, sportsgamblingpodcast.com. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. Love to have you subscribe. Rate us and review us. The show will be out next week in advance of Thanksgiving, late Next Wednesday evening, it'll be out where you can have it while you're traveling, etc. Picking underdogs. That's what we do here. Good luck to Brian and our guys picking their uh, their underdogs this week off the roundtable. I am merely TJ Reeves. Enjoy the games, the college football and the NFL that is playing this weekend. We're here to talk all about it and pick underdogs every week on Three Dog Thursday. Bye.